Olivier Giroud is Tabasco sauce. You put it on anything and it makes it better. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast in the Ringer FC. I'm Misa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right, man. Thanks. How are you? Good. I'm uh, caffeinated. Oh. For some reason. Yeah, for some reason. The, the new agenda. <laughs> Do you know what? It, maybe it is actually because, so for those who don't know already, Germany announced an extension to the kind of partial lockdown. It was meant to be December 20th, but extended it to 10th of January. Mm. Um, and to be honest with you, that news was more difficult for me than I thought it would be. I was prepared for it. Like I actually spoke to a cab driver at the beginning of November who was like, yeah, they're going to extend it into like, you know, January, mid-January. And I was like, oh, okay. But it's one thing when it actually happens. I was just like, oh, another few weeks of just wandering around in the day as opposed to the evening and just treating evenings as locked off. So I just thought, yeah, it was a bit slightly daunting to be honest. I mean, I know it's going to be fine. It's just like, oh, you know. We'll be fine, man. I know it's always fine. It's always fine. We've got you know? podcasts yeah. to do. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah. yeah. Uh, How are you doing? How are you doing? Am I right, man? I just seem to be tired all the time at the moment. I don't know what's going on. But apart from that, I'm fine. You are working a lot, to be fair. Well, you know, relatively. Some people probably not, but you know. Do some admin. Yeah, sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. First of all, we want to thank everyone who has been tagging us in their wrapped 2020 spotify wrapped things yeah amazing well lovely and also slightly worried about all of you yeah that we feature so highly in so many of your podcasts yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the year. just you know hope you're all uh you know doing okay yeah <laughs> going through but, it uh, <laughs> yeah but no we really appreciate it. it's been you know we didn't want to kind of repost them all but we really do appreciate it thanks very much to everyone who has I don't know. I mean, we're not at the end of the year yet, but I mean, obviously from where we were at the beginning of the year, Stadio, to where we where it is now, you know, with joining the ringer and stuff like that, it's been pretty wild year on that front. Well, just what's amazing is you forget, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but you're making this, we're making this podcast and you don't really, because, you know, we don't live in the same country as most people that listen to it. And so we just kind of do our thing and you sort of, you know, finish up recording that people are listening, people are really listening. And that sounds ridiculous. It sounds, I know it sounds ridiculous. We don't really clock it. You don't really think about it. You don't think about what points people would necessarily sort of hang an idea on or follow up or think about long after you've had the discussion. So people sometimes remind you of stuff that you've said or, you're like, oh, like people are really, you know, really <laughs> people are paying attention. Yeah. I can't <laughs> think about that though, because otherwise I'd never get a podcast done. <laughs> if I actually thought about it for like consciously for a second that people are actually listening to this, then I, we would never get an episode out. I'd be like, no, 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 it's not ready. It's not ready. It's not That's ready. so funny. Yeah, Not I suppose really. so. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, honestly, we really appreciate everyone's support. It's no, it's amazing. Super, yeah. super lovely. And um, yeah, well, thanks for spending so much time with us because I, I wouldn't. I mean, what the hell? A couple of catfish. Like two. What the like? God, good grief. <laughs> um, <laughs> you were on Wrighty's house this week. Go I was. It yeah, it was really that good. Was great fun. Great fun. Oh. Two elder statesmen of the Writers House Collective. Indeed. I think other admin. Oh yeah. Ringer.com forward slash soccer. You had a piece go up about number nines. Yes. The day Moose before is, nines really showed out in the Champions League, which is quite Moose cool. Is, Moose has changed tact. Yeah. Done with the number eight. He's upgraded. I still like an eight now and again. Go switch it up though. Go it's it it like, it's an, like, it's a, like it's a chocolate. Well, it is. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, at the moment I'm really feeling number nines, but, you know, I'm partial to number eight. I experience football differently to a lot of people. I do see it as a thing to savour. Sure you do. Anything that can kind of come across as a sweet good, you're in on. <laughs> Certainly. You know, give me those sweet, sweet number nines. Other admin. I think that's everything. Yeah, so today we're going to do Champions League mailbag. It was a big week for Champions League football. Was, we it thought was. we'd let the, let the questions guide us. So, um, yeah, let's get into it after this. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. 
Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, man, before we begin, I want to big up Stephanie Frappard, who became the first woman to officiate in a men's Champions League game. Amazing. This continues a, a bit of a trailblazing path for Stephanie, who became, she's, a, she's one of the most highly rated officials in the women's game. She became the first woman to officiate a league in game a couple of seasons ago. She also took charge, became, well, she became, then became the first woman to officiate in a major men's European game when she took charge of the Super Cup between Liverpool and Chelsea. And she took charge of the Dinamo Kiev Juventus game on Wednesday. Yep. And I just want to big up Stephanie Frappard because she is a really good official and she deserves to be there 100%, as do many other women. And I just think that this is another step into normalizing stuff that should be normal and should be taken for granted, but is obviously still a long way to go. But yeah, I just wanted to start the show with that because I think it's a big deal and I think it's important. And uh, I retweeted a thing that, well, actually Jeanette Quache reposted and I reposted her tweet yeah. that Kate Abdo spoke about on CBS. On CBS, yeah. Yeah. Kate's obviously a really great broadcaster. She gave a really nice and important speech on the topic and the wider context of it in terms of the CBS show being produced by or directed by a black woman and things like that. And I just think that things like this are important, you know, especially with this year. This year has been dreadful. Yeah. I'm kind of paraphrasing a little bit what Kate said, like there have been some genuinely positive shining moments through all the bullshit. Yeah. And I thought this was one, man. I thought I genuinely think this is this is one of them. And um, yeah, hope to see many more. Yeah, in the and it's, it's incredible. You can also add to that. You look at Marina Granovskaya, the job she's long been doing at Chelsea. Yeah, and their recruitment's been astonishing. Um, and it's just kind of you look across the board and just think, watching Kate speak as well, you just think more and more women are feeling there's a place for them in football. Well, there should be at the highest tables. Yeah, I know it's past yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. Big up, Stephanie. Yeah, it's awesome. So we're actually going to do a whole hour today on Seiko Kota's uh, half volley assist for Borussia's second goal for Red Bull Salzburg. Against oh my Lokomotiv goodness, So we oh. catfished you all. We're not going to answer. We will not be taking questions at this time. We will wax lyrical for one hour about this half volley assist, which was an absolute beauty. Do you know what that looked like? Assist. Do you know what it looked like? You know, in tennis, when you see the drive volley, when they're rallying, right? They're rallying, you know, and then like someone rushes the net and the drive volley is such a difficult shot because it's halfway between a four, it's halfway between basically a, a ground stroke and a, and a volley. Mm. And you hit it when you're running into this. The way you hit the drive volley is the ball obviously drops to you and you take it before it bounces, but you're running into it. So you come, your whole body comes into the force and the way he hit that, that pass, that assist is just, is spectacular. It was so nonchalant. It reminded me a little bit of, you know, the kind of same energy as when people pull the tablecloth off tables, but all of the stuff on top stays in <laughs> yes, exactly the same position. Yes, yes. It was just like brilliant, technically brilliant. extremely difficult to execute to that kind of level of precision, precision, but also just looks so calm. It was almost like he just kind of went, you can imagine him just kind of being like, uh, when he hit it. Do you know I you love know, that pass like, though? Do you know I love it uh, though? Because it's like, those aren't even two of the best teams in the tournament, right? And you look at that pass and you're like, 
You see, that's the Champions League. That's the kind of pass that belongs in the Champions League. You know, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I got to say, you know, the Champions League, like a lot of, you know, branding, a lot of these things get, the Champions League as a a format, a tournament has had its own issues. But in terms of the quality, there has always been something special. Like always. You know how there are some bad World Cups and some amazing ones? Mm. Every year it delivers. The end of every European Cup tournament or as it then was, or Champions League, you always have, everyone can name like 10 moments like that, where even teams that didn't get to like the second round did like incredible stuff. I agree. It was a lovely, lovely assist. Love it. And it came in Salzburg's 3-1 win over Lokomotiv Moscow, which makes that group really interesting because Red Bull Salzburg can go through. Um. They play Atleti on the final match day. And the point will be enough for Atleti. A win for Salzburg will see them through. Atleti fumbled the bag, didn't they? They fumbled the bag. They were the better side throughout and I think they could have executed slightly better. Jao Felix was... Um, I don't know what, I might write something about Jao Felix for the ringer next week. You have to. Because you've seen him from Benfica. I think you should do it, actually. Because you've yeah, just seen... Might, yeah. Like, because this is his team now. Yeah, it's really interesting how this season it's become his team. Mm. Even with players like Saul Koke, I wonder whether the removal, if you like, of of Morata and Diego Costa to some degree as a regular, mm. I think has actually helped. I would say Costa was the one that changed it yeah. because I would say that Morata was such a great foil. Morata just True. got unlucky. He just got unlucky. Morata was beginning to look like the Juventus Morata at Atleti. Mm. I really think that was a sad thing you know, that he went at that time. And those two are an incredible, I mean, they could have been an incredible front two. But his finish actually in this game, I was actually going to talk to Wrighty about this. I might chuck something in the group mm. because he did like two steps on his left foot mm. to adjust before the finish. Yes. Which at that speed, with those kind of defenders around, I mean, this is Bayern Munich, they're the European champions. This is no, this is no like mm. minnows or anything like that. And I think that he, um, it was just a really interesting finish. And it was a real, this was a proper number nine poachers finish. And I think the thing that, he has got now, and we've talked about Jao Felix a lot this season because, frankly, he's unbelievable and becoming one of my favourite players to watch. I'd say he's probably in the top five players that I want to watch in Europe, without yeah, a doubt. I would agree. But the thing is that he has this goal-scoring poacher's instinct around the box, or in the box, sorry. But then he, put, he made this move in the first half, I think it was, when he pulled out left, got the ball basically in a wide left position cut inside, broke, like kind of sent that it was the similar thing to what you said that time about when Rose Lavelle like breaks the field. Yes, yes. And he basically broke the field. Yeah. And he played this reverse pass to Correa, I think it was. And the thing that I just find wild about him is that he kind of combines a number of skill sets from really good Atleti players over the last decade. Like, right. I think he's, he's basically like part Griezmann, part Carrasco, Mm. Part Arda Turan. You could say part Arda Turan. You could yes. even you could even say he's kind of like part Sal Niguez. And there's just a little Diego Costa in him. And Fernando Torres. Yeah. Attacking Torres the near, is a great shout. Attacking actually. attacking yeah. the near post. Yeah. A teenager who's very happy to accept the mantle and the minimal service and who loves tight spaces. Fernando Torres and Joao Felix love the complexity. They love the labyrinth. Mm. You know, it's the labyrinth of like the six yard box. They're like, I will mm. charge into that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jao Felix, again, unbelievable. He hit the bar from that goal that was never going to stand anyway if it had gone in because of a body check on, can't even remember who it was on now, but um, from an offside position. But I think Atleti will have too much for Red Bull Salzburg. I mean, they have to, frankly. They, I, think they, they, I think they will and they also have to, so they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Mm. All right, let's get on to the big question. Okay, so I'm just going to read out a number of questions that we got. Ollie Glanville, can you score an aggressive perfect hat-trick plus one? Ertzgur, Kurtoglu, something about Giroud, dealer's choice. <laughs> Sam Westover, how good is Giroud? Bina Kromer, yes, please give Giroud some love is what we need in times like this. Tony G, where does Giroud rank amongst forwards with the technical ability that he has? I think I'm not being a speed. I think him not being a speedster and the whole shots on target the World Cup gets held against him more than it should. Rich Newbold. Isn't Olivier Giroud just great? John Larkin. Is Giroud possibly one of the most underrated strikers of all time? Andrew Blair. I'm just an Arsenal supporter wanting to hear all the nice things you say about Giroud. Jake Klein. Giroud? Question mark. 
<laughs> K. Jeru. Jeru? Jeru. Flowers, flowers, please. <laughs> so we've got a lot of Jeru questions. So let's talk about Olivier Jeru. Okay. So Jeru. Jeru is on fire. He's not. <laughs> okay. He follows in the tradition of a lot of number nines this season who have had outbursts of being prolific. The difference is we have Calvert-Lewin, who was not prolific before, and Bamford, who wasn't before, and who's now become prolific. Giroud was prolific at Montpellier um, and had patches of that at Arsenal and Chelsea. Here's the thing. Giroud is not underrated. He is disrespected. I think he is rated about the right level, but Mm. I think he gets a disproportionate amount of criticism because he's been put in tactical systems and attacking systems that haven't played his best strengths. And it's funny, like it was quite poignant watching him score a header for his um, hat-trick goal. You know, so he got a perfect hat-trick left foot, right foot and head um, before getting a penalty. It was poignant because crosses are something that he basically made his name off at Montpellier and they didn't get that many of them for the last few years at Arsenal, Chelsea. So he's someone that's never really complained actually that much about that. If you consider if you sign a player for a particular purpose or on a particular skill set and then don't really play to it for a long time, the fact that he just got on with it, I think is really to his credit. And the fact he got on with it at the World Cup when clearly a lot of people going after him, the fact that he could have turned around at any point and been like, do you know what? I'm the person holding together this front line so that Mbappe and the rest can wreak havoc. And it, it's no, you know, you go back and watch, in my opinion, the best game of the entire World Cup, which was Argentina four, sorry, France for Argentina three. Giroud's play on the counter. Giroud's play on the counter for Mbappe was mind-blowing. The knowledge of when to release, the knowledge of when to give and go, to be the fixed point. And that was a young team. So Giroud's coming into that as a more elder statesman. And there's a lot of talent that France team. It gets overlooked now, but people forget how much um, maturity it needed. And you look at like mm. Chelsea in the Europa League, the moment that Giroud gets an outfit and a unit that can win stuff, his level goes up or doesn't go as his level becomes more apparent, I think. So yeah, Giroud is not overrated or underrated. He's precisely rated, but he's highly disrespected. He went to Arsenal and like I said a million times before, his biggest crime was that he wasn't Robin Van Persie. Yes. If you look at this Arsenal team now, for example, I don't want to make this an Arsenal thing, but obviously he went after Arsenal signed Lacazette and, and well, and then Aubameyang in the January. With Aubameyang playing predominantly left throughout his Arsenal career. So I'm just laughing. Should have kept him, huh? <laughs> because Giroud Ozil, that solves your problem. <laughs> Partey Aubameyang, Giroud Ozil, William the other flank to like advance I mean, on a, the counter. It's an old team or an old front three, but it's a bloody good one. And I yeah. think that, and then, and then he moved to Chelsea and he constantly just <laughs> tried to get replaced as soon they tried to replace him basically as soon as he got there mm. and the thing is that he outlives a lot of the people that he tries to replace with it's like it's like people in long-term relationships that get wandering eyes and they just don't realize how good they've got it Dude, that is such a brilliant analogy it's so true you know what i mean yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. like what are you doing like i don't think he will be remembered for being as good as he is no no if he was a little bit quicker he'd be like ed and jekko yeah, but so what? He doesn't need to be like the thing is he the, the thing that I love about him is that he adapts so well to the mm. environment that's around him. Like when he came into Arsenal, and you say the lack of crosses was apparent, he then just became almost like a, a the it's like a forward pivot basically. Yep, yep, yep. And he just knitted the whole thing together. His vision's ridiculous. His vision is so. And good. he's an underrated finisher, I think, because he's always executed obscenely high-level technical finishes but occasionally you will miss a glaringly obvious one. But all strikers do that. Every single striker does that. Isn't it funny who gets away with it though? This is the thing we need to yeah. talk about to an extent sometimes. Like, you know, Malcolm Gladwell in, you know, Blink, where he talks about the kind of people that, there was a guy, I think, was it Warren Harding who looks, pres- who looks presidential? I think it was mm. Warren Harding. And I think there are some strikers who for whatever reason look presidential and they get away with it. So they get away with a big miss because they seem like they have that pedigree. And I just feel like, I wonder if, you know, because Giro came from Montpellier, he didn't come with a pedigree that insulated him from that kind of criticism early on. Mm. If he'd come from Juventus or something, there'd be maybe more of a reverence around him. You know, he, he never got that, what's the word, um, the benefit of the doubt. Mm. I don't think he ever had it. And also like Giro arrived at Arsenal in the middle of a period of signings that weren't the best actually. Talk about like Giro 
outliving other strikers. He outlived his his draft class in a way. There aren't many yeah. from Giroud's class at Arsenal that era still going and still doing their job. Still, well, a lot of them have dropped way out. You know, mm. Giroud really he's a he's so resilient, and mm. I'm really excited for him because the one thing Chelsea need this year now they've got the defense I think sorted to a a reasonable degree now. And shout out to Ben Chilwell again, who's just been brilliant. They just need that nine for everyone to build around. And it could be him. They've got or, it. Or it could be Tammy Abraham. That's the thing. They got two of them. Um, Chelsea won the game 4 0. All four goals from Giroud mm. against Sevilla puts them comfortably top of the group and through to the next round. Next week's games in Group E are basically dead rubbers. Let's have this question from Luca Moltatsu. Hey, shout out to Luca. Chelsea have been really impressive. How far do you think they can go? They seem to have an incredible, incredibly solid, solid defence and they have the talent on their attacking side. You mentioned the defence and we've mentioned the attacking side. I think, I don't know, I think with this Champions League, it's kind of everything's up for grabs. Yep. I, yep. I think it could be, it could be anyone who wins this this year. Um, I can't see a massive front runner at the moment. Potentially Bayern, but Bayern have shown capabilities of wobbling a little bit. I agree. And with so many injuries flying around and so many potential variables that could come into play at any time. I mean, COVID, for goodness sake. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think that, um, I think it's really hard to call. I think Chelsea have got as good a chance as anyone. Especially with that attack, that firepower. Chelsea's firepower, and this is the thing, they have as good firepower as anybody in the tournament. Yeah. They look much better when Harvest comes back in as well from a creative point of view. Yeah, yeah. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. I had this one from Kunlia J.O. With Ryan's imperial powers, will he outlaw Musa always reminding him about that time he was in Brazil? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, wait, what, what time? Oh yeah, oh. Stop it, I'm moving on. <laughs> We're going to talk about Manchester United PSG. I had a few questions about this game. One from Bayful Runes. Regarding Man United PSG, given Fred's existential, yeah, like, what have you done? <laughs> the existential booking. <laughs> Followed by his sending off and the fact that this match was the inverse slash opposite of Oli's iconic 3-1 win against PSG. What are your thoughts on destiny and poetry in football? Oh my God. I wish I hadn't have read that out now because... <laughs> All right, so, well, this has been the Stadio podcast. I'm going to duck out and let Moose take so over. So explain us. Uh, we said the last podcast, the existential booking is when a player kicks out and gets a yellow card and fouls just to feel something. Arturo Vidal, uh, Vidal's law. Is that what a lot is? of people are like, oh, Fred was responsible. I think Fred was on a journey, actually. Oh, he looked like he was from, on a journey. From, from the moment to the moment that game began, Fred had a different trajectory. You know, there are some people in life who are like, oh, that person, like, no, they're just, they're seeking something. Fred was seeking something the moment that game began. And I think he was seeking the kind of the blissful confines of the dressing room, the deserted dressing room. He looked like he was on a bad trip. <laughs> he was <laughs> the, the, the look on his face. High on rage. You know that, that famous video with like the guy um, who's doing security outside the stadium who does like the most minimal pat down with his two fingers. Yeah. I feel like Solskjaer's level of supervision of Fred was at that level where it was like everyone, <laughs> like a million people were watching going, Fred is going to get sent off. Fred's going to get sent off. And Solskjaer's, no, he's fine. He's fine. He's fine. And actually got sent off for winning the ball but kind of should have gone a long time anyway. And you can yeah, see I, I, tw- yeah. I tweeted, I tweeted that it was a, it was his least bookable offense <laughs> of the <laughs> evening. That wasn't, he wasn't saying that much. Yeah. But still. <laughs> We've used the kind of, um, the dinner table analogy, the restaurant analogy of like pulling the sheets mm. 
on the table. I want to use another one. So when I shout out to the Go Sing restaurant in my hometown where I grew up, we went to the Go Sing restaurant once, Chinese restaurant, me and the whole family. So everyone's like, you know, those, those big tables, we've got all the Chinese food in the middle and you just rotate it with the, mm-hmm. so you rotate it. So, okay, right, just rotate it and bring it around to me. One of my sisters basically like got excited and start kind of playing DJ when everyone else is like chatting. Love this. Yeah. Start spinning the, <laughs> start spinning the thing around it faster and faster. By the time it achieves terminal velocity, it's too late to be able to stop it, right? And suddenly, everyone is down in horror, and my sister's eyes are like bulging because <laughs> everyone realizes the terror is upon us and we can't stop it. And then she suddenly sticks her hand on the circle and everything just flies off. Incredible. That, that was the energy that Fred brought to that game last night. It was like the guy with the cheese fondue. Yes. <laughs> this. Fondue Fred. Fondue Fred. Fred Fondue. Yeah, just eventually he got sent off. Do you know what? I think it was probably when the the first three tackles that he probably should have got bookings for, or Mm. well, or the 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 headbutt that where he got sent off was kind of like the, the the cheese fondue thing that didn't work. Yeah. But then when he finally got sent off, it was like the one that did. <laughs> He's actually going to book me. I'm yeah. actually going to get sent off. I've fucking done it. I've done it. I've done it. <laughs> the only thing this game was missing last night was Jordan Pickford as a co-commentator going, yeah, look, Fred's getting well stuck in. Look at that. Fucking nut in Fred. <laughs> Pickford at halftime. Well, if anything, Gary, I don't think he's nutted him hard enough. <laughs> the, the thing, we should start assessing players' intensity in terms of Pickford's. It needs to be like a sort of, like a scale. Yeah. You know, like, 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 like killer jewels. Oh, he's got seven, he's got seven Pickford's. He's got seven yeah. Pickford's. The Pickford scale. It's like the footballing Richter scale. Yeah, the Pickford. <laughs> <laughs> Fred registering an 8.7 on the Pickford scale. Yeah. How hyped do you think that was on the Pickford scale? Mm, 7.4. Just a small tremor. Small tremor. 3.4. Listen, don't point at me and be like, oh, Moose, you always come up with things. That's you. That's on you, Ryan. No, I come up with good shit. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. No, no, leave that in. No, leave it in. No, stop it. Leave me alone. (laughs) I control the edit, remember? Imperial power. Right, so we've talked enough about Fred, right? Yeah, yeah. This question from Josh Hedge is a good one because I think there's another truth in this. Is PSG Man United the maybe not the best, but I think this this developing into one. Is he said is PSG Manchester United the best cross league rivalry in Europe? I don't think it's the best, but I think it's developing into quite a nice little rivalry, actually. Ooh. Cause someone on German one of the German commentators mentioned something similar about this, actually, about how this had this fixture. They were calling it a kind of like, not a classico as such, but it had the kind of a classico intensity. Well, I think, do you know what it was? It was because of that part to France game. Because yeah. that stung, I mean, it, you know, birthed a thousand memes. There's Any game that burns yeah. a thousand memes. Any game with Di Maria against United has needle. Ah, do you know what, though? I think it started in the first leg of that game when. Ashley Young pushed Di Maria down. Yes. All the way down that, slope, down that slope. Yeah, yeah. I think that's when it, be- that's when it began. I mean, it was there, but that's when it kicked. Yeah, that's when it like was mm. activated. I think, yeah, the yeah. beef activated. I think there needs to be a sort of thing. Of when, when do you determine the beef is activated? Like, like a Rustler's advert. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> this is PSG, PSG United, they're, they're in beef. Yeah, perpetual beef. Yeah, I think, I think there's an element of truth to that. I think that kick-started a little bit of a rivalry. Yeah. And you saw it this season again, like with the win that Manchester United, it just, yeah, it's kind of, I don't want to use the like, the, the, this means more thing, but it kind of feels like each blow landed on the other. It's felt a lot more, I think. Who else could have that? I mean, Liverpool, Real, maybe? I mean, they don't play each other enough, but there is that, they do have that needle. I think Liverpool, Atleti could develop into one after what happened last season. Oh my goodness, yeah. I mean, that's still Anyone that gets greatest. stung, anyone yeah. who stings someone else. Yeah. Oh, we had this one from Adrian Chung. A shout out to Aiden, yeah, over, at, uh, over in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Consistently finding PSG unwatchable in group games. Slow tempo, few chances created, constant diving. Is there, is there a club with a bigger discrepancy between how they're talked about and how they actually perform? See, I actually don't think that they're a million miles away from how they're talked about PSG. I think Marquinhos is the answer to that question as well. Marquinhos is in, everything changes. You know, yeah. he shifts everything 10 yards further up the field and knits it all together. And when he's missing from the midfield, Mm. 
that team is unrecognizable. We saw it actually when they went on that run last year away to the final. Just he was extraordinary. He could play on the front foot, play on the back foot, easy. Yeah, one and of it, the few players who, yeah. has, who has kind of blossomed with the removal of one of the senior, or well, I mean, he is a senior player, but he's still in, only in his mid-20s. But I mean, like, none of the actual number nines. And you could say Moise Kane has stepped up, although he's, he's a new arrival since Cavani left. But obviously, Icardi hasn't. Right. But Marquinhos stepping into more of a captain's role since Thiago Silva left, I think is is really promising for them. And I think he's actually been quite overlooked in his PSG career, Marquinhos. I agree. I, agree. I mean, he's had, he's had some moments of patchy form, but on the whole, I think he's been quite a consistent performer for them. I love him as a player. Yeah, I think he's yeah, great. Yeah, definitely. In terms of discrepancy, I would say, just to come back to that, I would say, um, weirdly enough, I would say Atleti are like that because they're a team that everyone roots for and they're mm. always on the verge. They've been on the verge for like four years. They've been on the verge of something really exciting and attacking sense. Man, there's a team of perpetual beef, my God. Oh my goodness, yeah. Oh, yeah, born in beef. <laughs> I would say actually Atleti are the biggest discrepancy because like you look at that win against Granada mm. and we're now looking at that like a kind of a full storm in terms of attacking intent. They did it again the season before when they destroyed Real mm. in the preseason game and everyone's like, oh my goodness, Atleti are going to be this free scoring. They didn't do it. So I think it's them. I think PSG weird enough that you're right. And they are, they are assessed correctly. Mm. I think there's a big, there's a big, I don't think there's a team in Europe with a bigger discrepancy between their back line and their forward line. Oh my goodness, completely. Yeah. Or arguably, I genuinely in, football, don't. arguably in footballing history, to be honest. <laughs> arguably. Blimey. You know, we're going to go there. Do you want to talk about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer quickly? Or do you not want to? I mean, I think he, the only thing I'd say by this is just that he's just, I, I cannot understand why he didn't take Fred off at half time. Failure to make adjustments. Yeah, I mean, I will say um, in attacking, they did some beautiful, beautiful attacking moves. Yeah, I mean, they had a couple of really unlucky moments, like the Cavani hit the bar, which I thought was beautiful. Gorgeous move, yeah. The Martial one. I think Martial's got a bit too much stick for this, if I'm being honest. I actually think the pass from Rashford should have been better for that chance. He knew he had to lift it over the the, the defender coming in. The The pass was underweighted from Rashford and actually a little bit too square. I think if it had been driven a little bit more and a little bit further forward, I think it, the, the actual chance would have been easier and the defender wouldn't have had a sniff. The weight of the pass from Rashford and the, the line of the pass from Rashford, I think gives the defender a chance to get back in and that's what makes the chance more difficult. No, I think that's fair. I think, you know, it's a chance he should still... He should still score. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... At the same, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it's, it's Twitter, it's social media, so everyone's going to, you know, have to get their jokes off. I'm a bit concerned for Martial, I suppose, because of his career trajectory, more generally. There's a different universe in which Pogba and Martial are like consistent top 10 Ballon d'Or finalists. And that, that universe is a very long one from this in terms of the talent they have. Mm. And to be honest, in terms of like Martial's beginning at United, the early application, I mean, someone wrote to me and was like, you know, what's up with Martial? His finishing is kind of a joke. And I was like, hang on a minute. Like, let's not be revisionist here. I think someone actually wrote this about Neymar. Someone else was like, oh, Neymar is like a bit of a big game choker. And I was like, do you know what? Like, these are multimillionaires. They don't need my, you know, they don't need me to defend them. Having said that, as professionals, Martial was as cold-blooded a finisher as I'd seen at that age in a very long time. Mm. He was certainly more devastating at that age than Thierry Henry was. Oh yeah. He was more, he was more devastating. And I'm not trying to disrespect Henry. Martial had the finishing down, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And the same with Neymar as well. I have to say this as well. Neymar, he made one bad career move. That was it. If Neymar had stayed at Barcelona, he'd be on course for top 10 all time. Says he wants to play with Messi. Yeah. And it's so weird how they've been years apart. Yeah. I think Neymar knows that was a misstep. He has to know. And if you look at it, imagine that Barcelona now, if, if you'd been in what year? When did Neymar go? Three straight Champions League. Sorry. 2014 he went? No, 2013. Yeah. But imagine if you were in year seven of Neymar at Barcelona now. Football is unrecognisable if Neymar stays at Barca. It's a catastrophic mistake. Catastrophic. Can you imagine as well the dirty looks that the lawyer is getting who didn't put the release clause at 800 million? There is a lawyer sitting somewhere in an office in Barcelona right now looking out onto the promenade just thinking, just thinking hello darkness, my old friend. Like the cat with the newspaper. Should have bought a boat. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. 
You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, man, let's go to group B. Oh, my goodness. VAR spoiling the Gladback party. No, actually. Gladback's spoiling the Gladback party. Mm. They did not start with the intensity. No, they didn't actually. They didn't, yeah. Well, this was by far Inter's best performance in the Champions League this season. And I thought Gladback, it's their first win in the group as well. And um, I don't know, I think we saw a lot, we've said it a couple of times, but we, we said with Gladback, like sometimes they need to believe that they belong there. And just go after teams a little bit more. Because when they do, yeah. when they realise that they could, they were by far the better team in that game. I thought that the kind of momentum of the game was really interesting, how it swung from one way to the other. I thought that both teams had periods up on top. Mm. But I think Gladbach not getting anything from the game will really piss Marco Rosa off. They invite, You could see his frustration. They invited mm. pressure down the flanks mm. early. Now, Matteo Damian is a good footballer, but he's not a fast footballer. First Champions League goal. If you're allowing him that much joy, and this is the thing as well, they allowed too much um, joy down the flanks. And Summer, I hate to say this, I hate to single out individuals. Summer saves the hard ones and concedes the easy ones. And he did this against Bayern last year. He, this is the problem. He has a high profile mistake in him every so often. It's the same with Roman Berkey. Imagine if those teams both had goalkeepers who controlled the entire back line. It would transform Gladbach. It would transform everything they're doing. The summer thing has been there a while. It's been there a while. It's been a problem for a while. And it was such a soft goal to concede. Yeah, it wasn't the best goal to concede. And it, it's, it's frustrating because you watch it. And I, I saw a lot of people on Twitter and I, I said this on Twitter. I was like, oh my goodness, I remember the Europa League. I was like, you don't watch much Gladbach or much Inter. Mm. In that order. And it wasn't that Gladbach started in a tentative way. It was just that they were slightly, slight, Inter, you know, Inter had beaten Sassuolo. So they were, you know, to credit to Inter, they'd beaten Sassuolo 3-0, perhaps their most complete performance of the season. So they were coming off that. So they had momentum. Good week for them. Very good week for them. Great momentum for them. And they came into that game with the same intensity. Lautaro Martinez looked great again. And Yeah, that one he hit the post was... Uh... What was impressed about Lukaku, Lukaku didn't actually have that much of the ball. It's utterly decisive. And his ability to draw defenders, I mean, he gave, you know, Dennis Sicario came back on at half time um, and he gave him a horrible, horrible time. Horrible time. Like, frequently exposed him one-on-one. Um, often Zakaria was dealing with two against one in that area. Gladbach just didn't protect. You know, the way they play they sometimes leave Zakaria unprotected. They don't have that mm. double pivot when they're pushing. And, you know, I think on for two of the goals, um, Zakaria was exposed by Lukaku. I mean, a couple of very urban finishes from Lukaku. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how many Should more- we explain that joke? Because I think yeah. people who, that, this is pre, probably pre-Stadio, pre-Ringer. It's reference. 2013 it started. Yeah. I started like a, yeah. So basically people were describing black players exclusively in terms of pace and power. So I would joke on Twitter and be like, oh my goodness, you know, like pace and power. But instead of saying pace and power, I developed the code word because urban is like the code word for black. So I was just like, oh, Lukaku with the urban finish. And whenever he had like a really classy finish, I would say it was an urban finish. So, so everyone, everyone would know. And it became this thing. Every time a black player scores a technical finish, it's an urban finish. <laughs> yeah. So Yeah. <laughs> And that you'll start now, now you've seen it, you'll start seeing it. If you go and like search on Twitter, like urban finish, you'll start seeing it everywhere. It goes back like seven years. You're right. Okay. VAR in this game. Let's go. Let's fight. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was actually, so um, Gladbach get a late equalizer chalked off, I think by player for- Yeah, it would have been his hat trick. Yeah, it would have been a hat trick. And um, I think it was fair, actually. It was fair. Ooh. I think it was fair. Yeah. Do you? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. I was frustrated because it was Gladbach who had the goal disallowed. But watching it, I was like, yeah, that player was interfering. How was he interfering? The sight of the ball. But he wasn't in the, he wasn't blocking the keeper's line of sight. He was about two feet out of his line of sight. Here's the beauty of this though. 
this is the hill I'm not going to die on. So I'm completely fine to concede. I don't mind. I'm not going to like contest it. I think it was, if he was directly in front of Handanovic, I'd get it. Like Handanovic can see the ball. Mm. He still doesn't move. The problem you're doing there is that basically with this, with this kind of scenario is that you're, you're making a, like VAR is obviously in, has been brought in to deal with clear and obvious, right? Yeah. This is a subjective decision. Mm. So therefore, I'm not sure how you can make it. Is he offside? Yes. Is he in the keeper's line of sight? No. And therefore, mm. does he make a move towards the ball to play it? No, he moves out the way. Yeah. So he's kind of ticked the three boxes of what you need to do. We had a question from Zan about VAR in general, and it was kind of suggesting tactical changes due to VAR and stuff like that. But I just think with, with the VAR stuff, so much of it, it's, it's been brought into overseas laws that weren't written with VAR in mind. So they just need to update the laws, I think, in order to fall in with it. So for example, each scenario has a protocol. So in this one, for example, if the, if the laws state, like, like say the three checklist rule thing, or the three, like the three point thing, is the player in an offside position? Is the player blocking the goalkeeper's line of sight? Does the player make a move, an active move to play the ball? If all three are no, then you can just say it's not Keep side. Yeah. And it's super simple that because I don't think any player can argue with that. Then, it's so sad like, because that goal is so important as well. His goal yeah. is so, I mean, I, know, I mean, ultimately it's not about how important the goal is it's on the decision, but I think your, my first instinct was, I don't see what he's done wrong there. And then I think I was swayed a bit by my friend, Lucas, who was obviously a member of the goalkeepers union, who is like, Always trying uh, to go, get out of trouble. Yeah, goal, goalkeeper, goalkeepers, keepers, man. Yeah, it's true. Actually, it's true. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think it bugged me because I just thought, well, if he was right in front of it, and yeah, I could get it. But I think it was, it wasn't traveling at such a pace, and it, it wasn't blocking his line of sight. And I just think it was a bit like, this is boring now. Stuff like this is just, yeah. I don't know. Admin. Anyway, it meant that Real Madrid got out of trouble after losing to Shakhtar. We need to talk about this quick. What have you done to Rafael Varane, Musa? I can't believe this. I, I can't mean, believe it. No player has made more errors leading to Champions League goals this, uh, this year. Do you know what is, you know what is really horrifying about this? His second mistake, so he was culpable for both. The first one, he actually does, he does something you don't see at almost any level. Like if the mistake he makes, the first goal. Just stopping. Ryan, you don't see that at the level that no. we play at. You don't. In terms I, of, I the, thought he must have got a shout. He must have had a shout there. He must but have. It, but even if he got a shout, it was the passivity, and even for the second one as well. You know, Lucas Vasquez is playing as a right back, right, which is not his like natural position. Mm. And so then, but in those situations, the centre back is the senior figure who takes additional responsibility. He doesn't do it, mm. and this is the thing. Um, he, and they've said this, I mean, one of the commentators said it, uh, German, they're great on Dazone. Yeah, they're so good. They said, Varane has not become the leader we would have expected at this point of his mm. career. If you consider, you know, how he started out, his European the Champions Leagues, um, the World Cup, you'd expect him to be now like the kind of Ramos in waiting, but he's, he's not that. And they were confused by it. I wonder if something's going on there. Yeah, there's a confidence issue and I'm not sure what the basis is. It doesn't look like he's being coached. Well, actually, Real Madrid don't look like they're being coached at all. And I think that um, you're seeing it in games like this. I mean, Shakhtar have done the double over Real Madrid. They're the only two games they've won in this group. They've lost. Yeah. Sorry, they lost both against Gladbach and they drew against Inter. This should be alarming. And if Real Madrid aren't careful, they could finish bottom of the group. The weird thing is they'll probably come top. Like, think about this, dude. This time next week, Real Madrid could legit be out of Europe. Yeah. Could Completely. Be. It's weird. It's really weird. I mean, next week, Gladbach need a point to qualify. It's wild. It's so wild. Strange I can't, group. I can't, Strange I, group. It's really weird. It's a really weird group. I mean, uh, let's have one, let's, we had one nice question about this from um, 4-4 Haiku. What kind of stardust is being sewn into the Gladbach nets to make all of the goals at Borussia Park sound so enchanting? <laughs> <laughs> That's lovely. Let's move on. This one from Mantra Dave. A brief moment on Kovici's outside the box hat trick for Bazak Shear. Wow. This was wonderful. Oh beautiful, my goodness. Beautiful finishes. All of them. The first one was lovely. Reminded me of that messy goal in the last minute of the Classico. And Kroos as well. 
Kroos loves that finish, the top of the box. Yeah. The, the bowling ball, you know. Second one was strike. very, uh, just cut inside. I was like, well, no one's going to tackle me. I've not scored two in, 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 eight, in eight years. So, uh, pick my spot. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to bang this free kick in off the bar as well, which basically means I scored three and a half goals. Yes, it does. It does. <laughs> 0.5 off the bar is a 0.5. Beautiful finishing and just a shame to, you know, to, 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 I mean, and also because they brought them back to three all and to lose in the final minute. Oh, no. Oh. So they remain bottom, bottom of the group and they face PSG on the final match day. But that group, obviously Manchester United, PSG, Leipzig, all on nine points. Barca cruised it. Yep, yep. Griezmann um, happy. I mean, that group's basically done. Whole of Juve's forward line scored, which is interesting. Yes. Enrico Chiesa's son is now scoring goals for Juventus, which is wild. Wow. I know, so, I know, it's unbelievable. So scary. Let's quickly do a Group F thing because um, Dortmund drew with Lazio. I didn't think this was a penalty. The Lazio penalty. Nico Schultz. Yeah, I wasn't sure about it either. No. No. I mean, they rode their luck a little bit, Dortmund, because they could have, they could have potentially had a pen- another penalty given away for handball. But a bit of a disappointing result this for Dortmund because it puts them in a bit of a potential tricky spot. I think they'll beat Zenit anyway and I think they'll finish top of the group. So it should all be fine. But a slip up against Zenit, and obviously they're without Erling Haaland now. He's going to be out till January minimum uh, with a hamstring pull. Off the back of a defeat on the weekend, a disappointing defeat at home to Cologne. I am a little bit worried about this Dort- potential Dortmund wobble. Well, the thing that I don't, I hope doesn't happen actually is that you don't see Yusuf and Makoku start on Saturday. And I know Marco Royce hates playing number nine, mm. but I think he might have to. But I'm not wild about Makoku starting already. No, I don't like it either. I don't like it either. Especially in these circumstances. I mean, they're away at Eintracht on Saturday and I just don't think that's a game you want to throw him into. No. Not with Eintracht in that form. Like, I just, I just think it's, you bring him in when Dortmund have won like, you know, three on the bounce and they're scoring freely and you just give them 20 minutes at the end of each of those games. Mm. But this is the thing about um, Favre admitted to kind of overplaying him. Overplaying Holland, sorry. And I think this is the problem with Dortmund that they've had over the last few seasons, actually, even before Haaland signed, when Paco Alcácer was setting goal-scoring records in the Bundesliga. They didn't have a backup for when he was out. No. It's very hard to recruit a player of the quality that's a good stand-in. You know, a club as big as Dortmund, it's very hard to recruit a nine mm. to basically be a backup mm. because that player will go anywhere else and have offers anywhere else. So what you want is a kind of Ferran Torres who can play as a nine, but as a wide forward. And that profile of player... Do you know who would fit in there? Like, I mean, he'd, he'd be going to another club where people would probably just not rate him as the top. Giroud. Giroud to Dortmund. Giroud, be, you said it before. You said it before. He'd be a very, very... I, I would be all over that signing. I think it'd be great signing. Excellent. I mean, I'd love him actually, I think. I think, yeah. I think he'd have a lovely time. I think he'd play a lot of games. Yep. yep. Um, Score a lot of goals, I think. And weirdly, I actually think that you could, like Holland is so dynamic that I actually think you could play Holland off him because Holland is mobile. I think in games where they are where Dortmund are possession heavy, yeah. it would work. I think even orthodox, orthodox four four two, four four two, or, or a three five two. I think um, yeah. because yeah, I think that's really really interesting. I think it would be a smart move. And what I love about it, it gives different paces to the attack. Yeah. You look at Milan for example. Milan have got Rebic or Zlatan. Mm-hmm. And it's brilliant because you either have the fluidity and the speed or the kind of fixed point. Yeah. Love that. Uh, we should get out of here. Let's do it. I forgot a little bit of admin at the top of the show. We are obviously on all platforms again. Indeed. And if any of you listen on um, Apple Podcasts, then please leave a review, preferably a five-star review, because it really helps. I'm going to bleep it out. I can bleep it out. I can bleep it out. <laughs> Say it once more. Because it really helps. <laughs> yeah please leave us a rating and a review if you can on the podcast app that you use don't forget to check the ringer.com forward slash soccer check right his house check moose's peace yep yep we'll be back on monday we hope everyone's staying safe and well hanging in there we do try to get back to as many emails as possible so apologies uh we'll try and get back to them soon and yeah just thank you thank you again I mean, yeah I don't, thanks like, for everyone who does get it's hard to say it enough yeah. isn't it it's amazing like yeah. it's amazing i mean um, i want to say this i didn't say it before but I'm not trying to sound arrogant or brag. Like I'm genuinely saying this. Like, I cannot believe that people have taken to what we do to the extent that people would listen to it. Like 
as one of the main podcasts. That has been a genuine, and I'm not just trying to be, it's been a genuine like surprise and quite I'm a bit overwhelmed. Um, I can't think about it, otherwise I'll cry. Quite moving, actually, if I'm honest. You okay, mate? I'm okay. I'm good. Thanks, everyone. You've made an old man cry. <laughs> Very old. I, I am looking at an old man crying Very on old. Google Hangout. So uh, uh, you've uh, made my week, everyone. Thanks very much uh, for... Uh, uh, <laughs> 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 oh look at look at his face just look at, look his, at face. his face <laughs> hey, we're playing out this episode on Maria Rita uh, Cantico Brasileiro number three and yeah have a lovely weekend everyone we'll be back on Monday take care enjoy <laughs>